Welcome back to issue 31 of TLDR. I'm your friendly neighborhood backcracker, Dr. Joe. With me, as always, is my hunk and crime. Together, sir, we are the Woodward and Bernstein of the Dorkshire Gooners. Fucking nailed it. Yeah, How you look, doing, at, my you. Friend? How are look you? at you bouncing back. You know what? I and I know why you got the Woodward and Bernstein thing right this time around, too, because I know hashtag dork is over there beating their chest right now about the, the scoop they got back in 2017. I mean, that's great, guys. You're the I don't know what they've labeled themselves as now, but they're all excited over that. that the, the they're still excited over that. The, the Affleck news, right? Well, yeah, it was to be fair, it was it was pretty damn big news. Of course. Of course it was big news, but it's been a while. Give us something new, guys. You know, people from, <laughs> I know that we you know haven't forgotten about it, but it'd be nice to have to give us a reason to forget about that one because I'm sure you know, whatever. It's I'm like that uh, episode of The Simpsons where uh, Homer uh, bowls a perfect game, and he just well, did somebody say perfect game? You know, he's over. You know, key, key to comedy's repetition. Yeah. Oh Maybe. God! Yeah, now you're quoting Goo after what he said to us last time around. He said about us on his show. Goo can't read, and as Wes put it, he apparently can't read to uh, listen to a podcast about reading either. <laughs> those those are the facts. Yeah. Those are the facts. Fortunately, but anyways, uh, we got we. Speaking of Goo and Wes, we do have a book that they were interested in. They talked about over on Caps Booze, although. That show may be renamed soon, which is a bold move by them when they only have four episodes left in the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I'll be talking about that a little bit later on. But, Doc, what have you uh, been catching up on this week? So I caught up uh, on a couple things. Um, Spawn 315 that came out a couple weeks ago. Oh. I, I am in on Spawn, baby. I mean, okay. I've always loved the character, but I, you know, like I said, I don't think I've ever read the book outside of its initial run way back in the, the early mid nineties. Yeah. Um, curious what the hell that's like for you. Jeez. Right? So yeah, I, I mean, I jumped into the middle of something, but uh, it was fucking bananas and I was able to kind of loosely pick up what's going on. It didn't take away. Um, and this week we'll get to it in just a moment. Spawn 316 came out, read that as well. Uh, loved it. So I've, I've got some of the old, uh, you know, I think from issue 296 on, Mm-hmm. Uh, digitally, so I will I will hundred percent be catching up on that before uh, Sean Lewis and at L uh, take the reins. Um, so I read that absolutely. I can't loved wait it. before you before you go into the other ones. I cannot believe you went from instead of going from Spawn like two ninety eight ish, like I said, or maybe a little bit before that, and you just went straight into three fifteen. I would have been confused as shit. I would have had no clue what was going. Yeah, on. I st- I still don't. I mean, I have a premise of what's going on like now in the present because. Okay. They do a pretty good job, but I, I definitely need to catch up on it. But I bought the book because the cover I bought was fucking dope. Mm-hmm. It was the uh, – Oh, um, sure it is. They have the, the, the best the McFarland covers. McFarlane Capullo one, right? And, oh, and oh yeah. Black and white. I mean, that was just fucking yes. awesome. So yeah. it was sitting there, um, wanted to read it. So I just said, fuck it. I'm, I'm going to read it and give it a go. And so now I'm geeked up to go back and, and, and read what's leading up to this because what I read was so awesome. Even nice. though I was kind of confused, um, and for those who aren't who you know are looking to maybe go back on Spawn or you know know about the character from the movie but never read the books, we talked about it in issue twenty eight of TLDR, and of course we have links for that all over on the uh, our Amazon Associates account, which is set up through our link tree on uh, it's on Instagram and on Twitter. But anyways, so I read that. I read uh, the Superman Blue and Red, so super, uh, Superman's version of you know he's getting the anthology treatment like Batman and Harley Quinn and Ugh. Wolverine and. So okay. I, I like I like the idea of these anthology books. They're just short little stories that you get that aren't canon because you you got some great characters to work with and you have some. But I think there was four stories in this book and and I only liked one of them. 
I'm know? not stunned which, by that at all. I, you know, which I is a when, you, when you told me that you were reading this or and you got it, I get you like the cover and your Superman guy and everything, but I knew this wasn't going to be good. Well, I, I wanted was, to jump I in on no the uh, you know the anthology train here. You know, I've been doing it a little bit with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle stuff, but mm-hmm. I wanted to give it a go. And the one story that I did like was good, but it was it was depressing. But it was it was a well written story, and so as is with all of these different types of little you know these anthology books, the the stories are obviously going to be different, the art's going to be different, and I gotta say I didn't love the art really in any of them. It was it wasn't my cup of tea, but as long as I have a good story, then you know, uh, you know, I'll, I'll probably enjoy it, uh, you know, a bit. And when the story is not great and the art wasn't my cup of tea, I, I was a bit bummed out. I'll get the next one just to give it a shot and see. Mm-hmm. Maybe, like, like you said, maybe this first one wasn't great, but maybe the second one there's more stories that I like. But uh, yeah, you know, I, I'm super, like, there's a so Batman has one. I think it's black and white. I, I didn't realize that Harley had one. I um, think she does, but I'm not 100. percent I think, I think you're right too because it did ring a bell, but. Maybe, but there was like a digital first series. I know Katana Collins was in on that, so maybe that yeah. was part of that. But I, I think Wonder Woman's getting one too. It's gold, and I forget what the other color is. But then, of course, you got Marvel that's doing all that yeah. stuff over there. Um, but you know, actually, I, I'm you know, what was it? Car- Carnage, Black, White, and Blood. That yeah. was out, that came out last week. I read the the first story in that um, anthology series, and I really liked that one. And the Wolverine one has been awesome too. I'm surprised you haven't tried to pick up any of the Wolverine ones though. I, I probably will. I probably will. You know, I, I don't know why I didn't initially. I just think, you know, the concept of I was reading so much stuff and do I want to just add something else, you know, that's just a bunch of short stories. I don't know, like the headspace I was in. I just, mm. for some reason, the Superman, uh, you know, cover caught me. And so, hmm. and, and so, so I nailed it. So, but I read that. And then the other one I read was, Two Moons, uh, number one. Uh, the second book of that actually uh, comes out today. That's a Dark Horse book. And I didn't quite know what this was. You know, we, we, we get review copies from, from Geeks Worldwide, and, and it's the number one, so I gave it a shot. And it's a Civil War era uh, story. Uh, Two Moons is the name of one of the characters. He's a Native American. And uh, it was actually I, – I actually enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to reading – I haven't had a chance to read issue two yet today, but – uh, I'm looking forward to reading that because it was uh, th- there's a there's something good cooking on uh, something good cooking there. I should. And this say. is uh, this is Dark Horse or is this Image? Uh, I think it's Dark Horse. Okay, I'm. I think I actually think it's Image. Yeah, I could I could have written it down the. I, I, I don't. Uh, we'll we'll figure that out when we get to yeah. uh, when we get to what's new in in a second. But um, I also speaking of the anthology stuff, I also got a chance to look at at least the first story of TMNT Best of Michelangelo, which came out last week. And I'll tell you what, if you guys didn't go and pick those up when it came out last week, I'm pretty sure you're gonna have a tough time finding those unless they do another printing of all these. Because I went in there and someone behind me in line was like, "Where did you get that?" And I was like over by the stack like over by what's new I, I don't think they're out and it was like i went back and looked afterwards and they went and grabbed one i saw i saw them pick it up but i think there's only like one left yeah. and so those things are selling like hotcakes so the i you know any tmnt stuff like i i, well, I think in general with this anthology stuff i think it's a it's just great because yeah. it's great for the industry in terms of trying to develop new voices um you know getting people some people in that have been around for a little bit get them working on characters that they maybe haven't worked on before and for readers 
you know, like Wolverine or Carnage, you know, yeah. we've seen ton, well, maybe more so with Wolverine, we've seen a ton of him over the years and so much stuff that involves Wolverine is, can seem very daunting to catch up on. But if it's an anthology series, it's just like, okay, three, three stories, yeah. whatever. And you don't need to read them right away. You, if you don't read, you know, the second story of issue two for the anthology Wolverine series, you can go and pick up four and still yeah. bang all of that out. And it's not going to make a difference. Yeah. So, that's that. That's the real selling point is that you don't have to, you know, if you miss an issue or whatever, it's not, you're not missing anything crucial. Right. And the spoilers, know, like, like none of that yeah. stuff. Like that's not, spoiler stuff's not going to come out. Like, and I, as much as I like it, I'm not going to do an episode on that for the show. Yeah. It just doesn't make this. It doesn't make sense for, for right. what we do. Um, one thing we had talked about possibly doing that you and I were both excited about last week that came up before we, again, last one, before we get into what's new lady Baltimore issue one, I finally got to read that and I thought it was solid. I didn't think it was you know, knock my socks off or anything like that. Well, you know, I will definitely read the second issue. You know, we'll see what, where it goes from here. Um, but did you get a chance to read it? Cause I know you were interested in it too. I was interested in it, and I tried to read it twice. The first time, admittedly, uh, I was in bed, and I kind of was falling asleep, so I put it down. Oh, well, that – yeah, okay. So then I went back, and I said, oh, let me just start again from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And I got about halfway through, and I said, no, I'll let Nick read this one. If he wants to sell me on it, he can sell me wow. on it. But it just okay. – uh, I, I don't know what it was. It's hard, to, it's hard to explain. It just – the story just wasn't pulling me in. Okay, and it's a lot. You know, it's very rare that I I don't even if a book is not my cup of tea, I still at least don't finish it. I probably will, but I was just like I wasn't feeling it. Yeah. Not for me, dog. So it's this is by Mike Mignola and uh, Christopher Golden, who the latter of the two I'm not as familiar with. And part, I mean, look, you're getting a strong female character who's having to. Um, Pick up, you know, where her husband left off fighting all these monsters and everything like that. It doesn't take much to see that there's monsters if you if you look at the cover. But I, I don't know if there's like what else is it about besides that. I don't know if there's much else. And yeah, sure, that's that kind of storyline still plays somewhat today. But it's not it's it's not uh, it doesn't have to carry the same weightness. Like you can't just have that. I guess now. Right. In a, in a story with a strong female character. And that's why part of why I wanted to give it a chance was strong female character. Okay, then we got the the cult mixed in. Awesome. So that's why I'm, I'm still like, I'm not giving up on it as quickly as you are, so we'll see. But it's only five issues. It says it on the cover. That's why I thought it was last time. So I was I was a little confused when we talked about it last week um, in What's New. And speaking of What's New, for this week in What's New, Doc, let's start with uh, DC as we typically do. Future State Superman versus Imperius Lex issue three is out. So Future State is like kind of done, kind of not done. You still got the Red Hood story that we're going to be getting later on down the line. And we're also with, you know, Suicide Squad and all these other stories. We're getting stuff that sets up or is a flashback to what happened in Future State or more so like the start of, I don't know, again, Future State is such a, like an incept, not inception thing, but it's so confusing. More importantly, your review this week for Geeks Worldwide was Batman Catwoman issue four. And I read the review and well, I'll let you talk. It's so, it's so Tom King. It's so frustrating. You know, the, you know, the issues I had, I mean, the issues I've had from this, from this series, from the get go, one second here, let me turn that down. My mom and my daughter are having a full blown conversation in the monitor there during their tea uh, party. Dur during their tea party, um, right. I, so, I really appreciate you setting aside some time so that way that you could talk to me and of course, you know, move around course. schedule, not and skip out on that. You know, um, 
But it's so it's so frustratingly like Tom King. Like the issues I've had from this series from the get go is that he's you know it's the use of three timelines, and on any given page you could have all three going on. And last issue was refreshing because while that was still going on, it was a little less frequent. You know, we got to sink our teeth into some of the stories a little bit more, and it wasn't as distracting. It didn't didn't take you away. This issue just jumped right back into it. And it's starting to really affect the pacing of the story, you know, where you've got three storylines all going on at once, two of which are actually really captivating. Um, and, and you want to see where they go, but they, they're not advancing fast enough because they're just constantly being bogged down. And so this is a 12-issue run here, and it's going to be a slog, man, if this keeps up. I mean, it should have been six. And then just, you know, what's the point? And let's fucking get to it. And these are what, 32 page issues? Too, yeah, right? they're thick pitches. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny because it wasn't it, was it issue, was it last issue that you felt pretty good afterwards? Yeah. Right? You it was like my you- highest rated issue of the book. And I'm like, okay, fine. Okay. We got through two issues. He's setting stuff up. Now we're cooking with gas. And then it was like, er, pump the brakes. Let's slow it back down again. Like, and then and the other issue is that we know where things stand in the future timeline. So all this drama, you know, you know, between Batman and Selena and, the, you know, are they going to what's going? We know that it ultimately just leads to them getting married, living a long life together. So it's just it should have been a six issue book. Write it with, you know, focus it around the fucking phantasm and let's kick some ass. I I'm, I think I read the first issue and then I stopped because I wanted to let you just go off on it and whatever. But I, I was thinking because I was thinking about reading that issue today after looking at your review, just because I know how frustrated you are. And of course, we have access to uh, you know the review copies and whatnot. But I would be pissed if I'm you. I'm I'm I've been wondering you know as I've re- read your reviews, especially after this one, at what point is Doc just going to say, "I'm out, that's it, I'm done." Well, so that that's the frustrating part is that inherently it's not a bad story right like the bones are all there the pieces like i think it was the first line of my thing you know it's a solid story it just can't jump to the next level like mm. that's that's it we, we've seen you know what black label can do with batman we've seen it with uh harley quinn we've seen it with the three jokers like we know that this is a great forum to tell you know "Quote unquote other world" or you know you know uncanon you know non-canon uh, Batman storylines and the premise and the bones are all there. It's just Tom King just can't help himself, you know, and it's really really taking away from what should be an awesome story and an awesome book. <laughs> uh, I just love the way you put. It. He can't help himself. He just can't stop it. Um. Uh, well. I, I think it's safe to assume that you're not going to be talking about that for a full episode anytime no. soon. Uh, Mar- one book that I may talk about at some point, we'll see, is uh, X-Men Legends 2. Now, of course, this is only at the second issue, but I really, really enjoyed the first issue. And it's it's definitely something that's hard to talk about if you're um, – yeah, without like getting into spoilers and stuff, mm-hmm. but I, like at least at this point – but it's definitely going to focus around Cyclops a bit and then Havoc's involved too. So, I mean, I think we, you see that actually on the, the first cover. So, and that's what drew me in right away. Of course, X-Men, but then we get to see like the characters we're familiar with and the, the look that they've had as much as 
I know everybody's really enjoying the X-Men stuff, which I've, I've said before. We got to get in back in on that and give it another yeah. shot. Or at least I will at some point. I know you may not be too, too interested in it. But um, but with X-Men Legends, I, I think this is going to be a, a fun series. And hopefully I can talk about it on here down the line. Also out this week, King in Black, Ghost Rider issue one. I am going to pick that one up because, you know, there's not. I, I need more things that remind me of Nick Cage in my life. So this, I got to imagine is going to be great. Silk issue one is, you know, talking about Spider-Man family, all that kind of stuff. I, I'm not necessarily going to pick it up, but I want to make sure that people are aware of it. And then Avenger, another one kind of in the same family, Avengers curse of man thing issue one. I don't know what the cast is for Avengers in this one. I did not look it up, but I'm not like Avengers comics. And this is what blows my mind is the, the, the movies have done outstanding. And I do get it to some extent, but the comics, they don't. They're not always like they, they've had success at times, but they've never been like they've never been like the X level, yeah, necessarily. But right, there's one other thing that came out for Marvel this week that we are both going to be reading, and I think you actually already read it. I did. I wanted to make sure I read it before the show today. So Beta Ooh. Ray Bill number one. Okay. So you know you got all the Thor, you know God, Love and Thunder, you know stuff, you know that's going to be coming out. And so I, I admittedly don't know a ton about Beta Ray Bill. So I said, you know, why not? Let's let's pick it up. Let's give it a go. And two things I wanted to mention just quickly. One, the art wasn't my cup of tea. That was a little bit disappointing with this book because the story, the story that's there is is, is pretty good. Uh, but uh, the art just, I don't know, it, it didn't seem up to par for me, given that it was a Marvel book. Um, but that that could just be a me thing. But the other thing is we talk about all the time on the show is is the events, right? And how DC always seems to do their events much better than, than Marvel. With Marvel, it's overkill. And it continues to be overkill because you got King and Black shit going on in, in, in Beta Ray Bill. And I know I know a bunch of people had issues with the Future State event where they just shut the main line down for two mm -hmm. months and just focus. You know, D Marvel's going to have to start doing the same fucking thing. Just shut down you know, for a month or two months, just get all your event shit out of the way so I can get back and reading titles that, you know, that, that mm -hmm. aren't involved with the, with the fucking event. Like my daredevil book has been phenomenal, but even that was like sidetracked by a couple issues by King and black. Yeah. Get King and black stuff in this, you know, you already mentioned the fucking ghost, Rider. Who the fuck gives a shit about ghost Rider and King and black? I mean, I, I do a little come bit. on. Yeah. Well, the, no, the majority, but yes. you know what I mean? Like, if, okay, you want you want King and Black? Then just shut the fucking whole line down for two months and just you know you know make it King and Black. So then, okay, I could take a break from Marvel for two months. You know? Yeah, that's exactly what they want. They want you to step away from it all. But I, yeah. I, in general though, I agree with you. The we've talked about it before how you do events. Snyder did a great great job with uh, Death Metal, and then with the Future State. I mean, that's not ideal. I think I, I'd rather see as opposed to Future States that, that approach. I would rather see what they did with Death Metal and have Marvel do those kinds of things going forward. Which I, is to get, I, I get one off. I was being facetious. I know you were, but I'm being, I, well, one of us has to be serious on here, Doc. We are talking about books after all. Um, but I think that if you, if you take the approach that, that Snyder had just in general, you're, you're generally going to do fine. Yeah. Maybe you don't get as many sales on like one-offs or whatever. There are some that are going to hit and some that aren't going to, I know with Death Metal, they did a great job with them. There was really only one that I didn't like. Yeah. Maybe an, and there were maybe two in general that I was like, you don't necessarily have to read these. And Snyder did a great job making it where people didn't have to read them across the board pretty much. But you definitely got something out of it every time you read them. Yeah. Just, I, I think that 
I think that Marvel could learn something from DC. And I know we, that doesn't, you know, people don't hear that often, but you really could when it comes to the comic side. And hopefully they do at some point. I mean, King of, King of Black was already, the ball was already rolling on that. So there's nothing yeah. they can do there. But yes, it does get frustrating. And then with X-Men too, like there's so much, X-Men is just so bananas right now. As yeah. much as I say, we should get in on it. I can easily see you saying after like reading one thing, yeah, I'm all set. Nick, you go ahead and do it if you want to. I'm not, I yeah. just can't. Mainline perhaps, mainline perhaps, but I'm not, you know, there's, when the whole new, when the Marauders, new Excalibur, and people love yeah, them. When, 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 uh, you know, when Hickman took over, you had how, you know, House of X, Powers of, you know, yeah, Powers of Ten, whatever, right? And then the mainline, and the, but then right off, right off the fucking rip, you had at least six other titles. Yeah, and now they got they got another one that I've been seeing teased too is uh, the one with um with they've Nightcrawler. Got have, they've got to have a dozen titles going on right now. Yeah, and I mean part like, of the no problem is prob- thank you. Part of the problem is that probably is it sells well. You know, X Men are probably. so popular, and they, and we love the X Men. We do. I mean, the yeah. power got us into comics, and I think I'm going to give the Nightwing. I mean, Nightwing Nightcrawler story a chance. Is but, but these X Men aren't your are aren't your your old fashioned X Men, unfortunately. And that was sure. part of part of the the the. Thing that turned me off a little bit. What in what regard? Well, you know, I because they're know, isolating was, themselves now. Well, not because they're isolating themselves, but you got Professor X acting more like Magneto than mm. Professor X. You know what I mean? Sure. And and I mean, I I get all of that, but I was just, I was just, I don't know. It's not what I, it's not what I wanted. And, yeah, I uh, will say seeing Professor X on his, you know, walking around is is definitely Oh, and hot. that stupid fucking helmet he wears. The helmet. Yeah, I saw yeah. the action figure for that and I was like, who would buy this? I got the Magneto in a heartbeat because I needed a new, you know, to add Magneto to my collection, but who who wants a Charles Xavier action figure? I'm sorry. It just looks like a giant ding-dong. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm sure. I'm not I'm just I'm just not a uh, I'm just not here for that, but I, I do think in general, seeing them take a more isolationistic approach, you'll call it, um, it, it's it's a little odd, but I, I do want to dig into that if I can, but it just yeah. seemed very daunting. But you know what, Doc? That's what we do so that way the people know if they should do it when they didn't before because the exactly. you know, trades are coming out and all this stuff, and some of the series have done well, some of them haven't. You see a Nightcrawler one pop up, and for me, it's like, oh, I don't get a ton of Nightcrawler stuff. You know, yeah. There was an amazing Nightcrawler a little while back, but like that's it. You just get yeah. stuff. So I, so that's why I, with that, I'll probably give it a shot, and then we'll see where, where things go from there, but Moving out of the big two, I know Boom this week had Power Rangers Unlimited, Air to Darkness, Issue 1. And look, I'm not in on the Power Rangers stuff. I read like the first um, of the new – I forget if that one was Power Rangers or Mighty Morphin. I think it was Mighty Morphin. But I plan to go back on some of these things. Just there's, It's not something that catches catching my eye crazy right now. I know Higgins did a great job with his run. But um, I think I'm still going to read this Air to Darkness. It's it, the art. Dan Moore did the cover. So right away yeah. I'm like, ooh. Okay, I think I think I got to pick this up. So, <laughs> but that's and that's why more is uh, so good, one of the best in the business. But for Dark Horse this week, so I know uh, well we're going to be talking about the Witcher fading memories issue four towards the end, like we did with Joe with the, the three Jokers a while back. We'll talk spoilers, so we will save that until after we've done uh, my book. But there was another Dark Horse book that you read this week that came out. Yeah, Dragon Age Dark Fortress number uh, one. So this is uh, based on the video games, uh, the Dark, uh, sorry, the Dragon Age video games, which I loved. Uh, it's three or four. I never have heard of um, role playing games. Um, oh, absolutely okay. fantastic! Uh, and and there's it, it, this this huge world that they've created there. And if you've played the games, 
um, you know, you're, you're very familiar with it. So it was a good book. The problem was it was one of it's, this was number one of three. So it's only going to be a three uh, story arc. But the problem is when I was reading it, it felt like I was already in the middle of a story or I should have read. There was some other books that may have Not led into you. this one. Mm -hmm. Right. Because it picks up with something. I don't know. You know, with it being a number one, I need a little bit more backstory. It was like they jumped right into the middle of some sort of um, not not battle, but it's sort of some sort of engagement. And I've got no context for what's really going on. And mm -hmm. unless you're familiar with the games, you, you, you know, you won't know, you know, the world building is so, so vast that you, you'd be like, what is that? What is this? What is that? What is this? So. It's really seems geared towards people who have a played the game, know the game very well, and b have read some of the previous stuff because it felt like I was being dropped right in the middle of a run, like in book five or book six of a twelve issue arc or something like that. Yeah, so. there's something to dro being dropped in a world and and having like having it feel like you're just you walked in on the middle of something. That's not a bad thing all the time necessarily, but I get what you're saying. It's just it feels like you you missed way too much. Like there's yeah. been a lot of stuff going on, and that's that's doing the exact opposite of what you like. You want it yeah. to feel like it matters. That's why it should feel like you walked in on something. But when it's just, when it's just like so much is happening already and you got to like catch up, that just, yeah, it does the opposite. And this is, you're familiar with this brand too. So yeah, no I mean, I enjoyed it, but for people who might be picking this up for the first time, they have no, never played the games. They're gonna be like, what the heck? I don't know. This doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And even for me, I was kind of like, uh, all right, I'm a little lost here, but I'll, I'll you know, mm -hmm. figure it out and see where it goes. But, Anything from AWA this week? Uh, so Man's World number three. This has been a tremendous series so far. I haven't had a chance to read it, but I can't wait. And then uh, book four of four from Colin Bunn's Bite Sized. Oh, uh, yeah. Today. So uh, I begin this reading this, and I've also been giving it to my my nephew. Loves nice. it. Absolutely loves it. loves it. So he was over the house over the weekend, so I was able to give him uh, issue three. And so now I'll be able to give them issue four. So uh, nice, yeah. And for those uh, you know who have you have kids that you want to share comics with them and stuff like that, we Perfect talked to Colin about the book a while back on the show. And uh, so if you're interested in learning more about that for when the trade comes out or whatever, but yeah, doc, it's got docs rule for sure. Yeah. Um. Then we get to image, and then two moons issue two. So it you that came out this week. Then of course we have Spawn three sixteen, which you're actually you're ahead of me on. <laughs> Look at that. Huh? <laughs> We'll call it that. Uh, I have not read that issue yet, but there are a couple of, there are quite a few other big ones, including a first issue, um, Shadecraft, that came out this week, which is funny. I saw it, you know, as a possible book that we could review, and I was like, okay, maybe, I don't know, like it kind of, like the name's interesting, kind of, the cover's like, well, maybe. And then I saw the, the synopsis about like how shadows are like becoming like these uh, villainous things, like this girl's, sh it, so it was, it seemed a little odd, and then I saw Ferg had reviewed it for Geeks Worldwide, and then you put it on our doc, like that you were reading it. So I was like, "Oh, okay, you know, what? I'm going to give this a shot too, and then just you and you know, we'll do first issue, and if I really like it, then or whatever, like we'll figure out who, yeah. who gets to go on that." And then I actually, it's a fast read in a good way, and it's an easy read, and, I, and it was like it was entertaining, like, like that's why yeah, it was so nice. easy. I thought it was good; it was a little different. Yeah, I can't wait to dive in this one. I, I was I was planning on reading this before the show today, but I decided to read Dragon Age instead. Oh, um, so I mean, it, it happens. So I'll, I'll uh, now that I know after you said it real quick, I'll uh, 
you know, he said about I'll, I'll jump in and, and it'll probably be on my catching up for next week. Yeah, I hope so. It's good. You're yeah. going to enjoy it. There were a couple other things from uh, from Image that came with that I know you're reading. Right. So uh, like I said before, Two Moons, issue number two came out. Uh, crossover uh, number five came out. Just a, I can't wait. To, oh, so can't, so can't next week. First Nick, arc is done. The, 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 so next month is when the first arc ends. Uh, it says at the end of the book, you know, the the conclusion of the such and such story, you know, next week or next issue. So when that when that's dropped, maybe I'll have uh, that's what I'll talk about it. Right. Because, you know, we got we got to stay, you know, topical, Nick. We got to be on top of things. All right. We don't want to yes, be a week late or a week. You know what I mean? God forbid. Shoot, you know, uh, we should, we got to talk about Invincible too. We haven't done that yet. I know, right? We haven't, and, and, and it's not like we hadn't talked about Vision. Uh, yeah, know, no. Or, yeah, you know, I mean, uh, uh, yeah. House of M2, we never talked about that at any point. Right, right. Oh, or no, we that, did, but it you wasn't to someone's you know, satisfaction. And then the Falcon and the Winter Soldier book, we didn't talk that about that. That would have been a good one, too. That would have been a good one, too. Nuts! Uh, so I'll try, I'll try and do, uh, you know, do, you know, whatever issue is that week for crossover. Um, get that done. And then Department of Truth number seven. Mm-hmm. Oh man. So I remember with the last issue, it was a different artist and it kind of, it, it kind of threw me off a little bit. Uh, same thing, different artist for this issue. But what we're getting here with these, with these last two issues is we're getting a little bit of truth department origin story here. And they're using the different artists to kind of, to, to do that. And, and, and I loved it. It's awesome. It was okay. uh, it was maybe my favorite issue uh, of the bunch so far. I feel so, like you've said that about and, and I mean it's not like facetiously or anything. Like you've it said just, that about pretty much every issue. It keeps getting better and better. That's awesome. awesome. Yeah, yeah, it was absolutely awesome. I don't know which one I'm going to dig into. I mean, I have a lot more time to dig into the Department of Truth, but I'm wondering which one. Like if I which one would I go to first? I feel like crossover is going. I would probably say crossover to be honest with you. I mean, I love them both, but one's heavier. You know, the Department of Truth is heavy, and 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 uh, and whereas crossover is, ah, uh, it's just they're both so fucking good. You really can't go wrong. But knowing you, I think you'd probably want to start with crossover. And, then and speaking jump Department speaking of, of heavy, my book today is definitely got got some weight to it that I'm going to be talking about. But we're going to get to yours first after you tell me what came out from IDW this week. So IDW, uh, Usagi Ojimba, Wanderer's Road, number five. So we've talked about this as you know. Uh, you know, Stan Sakai over the past two years has been taking his books and and colorizing them. And so Wanderers Road is a collection of stories that he's written before that, um, you know, he he's, he's put in color to. And so that, Nicholas, leads us to it's Easter week. Mm-hmm. We have uh, we have a rabbit samurai Ronin. Mm-hmm. So what better week to finally talk about Usagi Ojibo or TLDR? Than today, than this week. So I am I'm very excited about this. I I want to talk about this book for a long time. And yeah, you have back in the fall, it was announced, or back in the at the end of the summer, it was announced they were going to be, you know, Usagi Ojimbo is going to be turned into a cartoon. And so I thought, okay, well, maybe I'll hold off and I can try and be topical and talk about this book when the show comes out, but God knows when that's actually going to happen. Right. Probably, you know, either late 2021 or sometime 2022. And I just didn't want to wait that long. At best. Right. Yeah. At best. So with, with, with Easter being on Sunday, Nick, it was just, it was just, a, it, you know, things line up, baby. Things line up. So, um, uh, Usagi Ojimbo. So what I'm going to do is I, I'm going to just sort of talk about 
Usagi Ojimbo as a whole because there's just so much stuff there and and oh yeah and, and why I love it and, and and why I think it's just such a such a great book to read. Um, but to get into it, um, uh, the writer, the artist, and the letterer is all Stan Sakai. I mean, mm -hmm. he does everything. Um, and up until 2029, there was never a colorist because it was always black and white. Uh, but Tom Luff um, handled the colors uh, for issues one through 14. And then he retired and Hi-Fi Designs took over the coloring from issue um, 15. And So and, just and this present. run, just this current run. Yes. Got it. So yes. when that started in 2019? 2019, right. Because we're on issue 17. Makes sense. Uh, just dropped uh, last week. Um, and in, in two weeks ago, too. <laughs> right. Before, right. Three weeks ago. Yeah. Three weeks and, ago. Uh, and apparently issue 18 is coming out next week. So I, mm -hmm. I'll believe that when I see it. Right. Uh, but so the current run is, is ongoing. We're on issue 17. But this, this is a book, Nick, that came out in July 1987. I mean, this has been going on for well, okay. well so over 30 years. Qu a quick little aside before you start, you know, educating me up further on Yusagi Yojimbo. I've known about, obviously, you know, I, I know about this character. He's popular enough that, you know, he gets comes across my radar and everything like that. If you're reading comics, you you know about the, the you know, IEW. Scott definitely has different characters. And either way, uh, our former guy in the chair on Change My Mind, Tim Weisberg, who, you know, runs things over at Midnight.fm, loves Usagi Ujimbo. That, it, that I believe, is his favorite character. So when I found out that you loved him, too, <laughs> I was just like, oh, and you guys both, you're just both great dudes. And I just, it's just funny. Like, I was like, oh, I wish you two had met at some point, crossed paths along the way. I know you were on the Change My Mind 100 together, but not at the same time. But right. he's, he's talked about how awesome Usagi is and how much he loves him. So... I have like a little bit of an understanding of who the character is. A little bit. I haven't read his yeah. stuff at all. So, yeah, it's it's. I don't know. There's just there's just something. There's something different when when reading a Usagi or Jimbo comic versus reading all the other stuff. I mean, we we all know, right? I've 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 been typecast as the horror comic guy, right? But superheroes. I mean, it, right? Exactly. Uh, you know, out of all the comics you read, this is this is just so different. It's 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 a great. Um, you know, change of pace, but I mean, so I mean, I've known of Usagi Yojimbo since I was a kid, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I never, I mean, I wasn't reading the comics back uh, in the late '80s. I wasn't, you know, I might not have been reading in the late '80s, you know. Hmm, uh, sure, we all know you're old as shit. Come on. <laughs> but my first experience with Usagi Yojimbo, and I think you got a uh, an image of this, Nick, was I had so many fucking. Uh, Ninja Turtle action figures as a kid, mm -hmm. and I I don't know where I got this, how I got it. You know, my mom must have bought it for me. But I have, you can see here, the Usagi Yojimbo uh, TMNT action figure. And at the time, I just assumed he was a Ninja Turtle. He was, he was just part of that world. I didn't know that he had his own, you know, comic book and, and own run. Um, but this was one of my favorite action figures. He, he looks badass for those watching. Um, you know, he's got his swords and stuff, and then. He looks a lot different the action figure yes. than the one we see now in this current run. Well, so in, in in the comic book, he's always looked the same. You know, the the action okay. figure and what you see in the, the the TMNT universe is definitely a different sort of interpretation of him. But you know the you know the name and the, you know was you know and the likeness was 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 given to uh, you know the Eastman to use for uh, this because I, I at the time and I had to do some reading because I, I tried reading this omnibus mm -hmm. of uh, Yusaki Yojimbo in space and oh. 
this was like one of the things I just had a hard time with because this wasn't like to me this wasn't Yusaki Ojimbo. This was just like Stan Sakai at the time trying to like appeal Yusaki Ojimbo to different you know uh, you know masses, and so that wasn't actually my 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 cup of tea. But that's sort of what brought Yusagi Ojimbo into the TMNT universe was this whole, you know, sort of Yusagi and space run that was going on, um, you know, at the time. But it wasn't until 2019 when uh, I started reading Yusagi Ojimbo because I remember going into to Hub Comics and they'd have the posters coming, you know, whenever it was released. I said, you know what? Huh. I've always wanted to read Yusagi Ojimbo. Never have. Maybe this is a good time to start. And it was, and this was important because it's the first time it had been in color in 30 years. Mm. So I, I got that, read the first issue, and I fell just instantly in love, uh, you know, with the character and loved it. And then I started going to the library and grabbing some of those omnibuses, you know, grabbing digital, you know, graphic novels, you know, wherever I could. And just started voraciously reading. I mean, those omnibuses, there's 10 of them, some bitches. And oh, they're, geez. You know, okay. yeah. and they're like, you know, hundreds of pages thick you know, and just, and just, you know, starting to rip through them. And, and it's just, what's great about reading Usagi Ojimbo is that, like I said, it's, it's a change of pace because not every issue is, is full of action. You know, there's, there's great storytelling there. Stan Sakai really draws upon old Japanese history, you know, samurai history, folklore, mythological uh, stories, uh, you know, Japanese mythological stories, and, and he weaves them in. So the, the, the premise of Yusaki Ojimbo is that he's this, his masterless Ronin. You know, he, you know, it, at, you know, at its core, you know, Yusaki Ojimbo is a story of this arrogant child who wanted to become a great samurai, and and he was brash and arrogant and thought he was the best, and he gets knocked down pegs, and he learns these lessons. As he's growing up, as he's being taught, and he goes on to become a great, um, you know, a great warrior, great samurai warrior, you know, for um, you know the Lord Mifune. Okay, now before you go further, yeah. When I think samurai, the yeah. first samurai that comes to my mind is Samurai Jack. Yeah, I love Samurai Jack. And I, with with that show, of course, I think they, I'm sure there were some, you know, they did some ventures with the comics and everything. But with the show, there could be a lot of times where Samurai Jack didn't talk, or just in general, there wasn't talking on the show. Yeah. And I'm curious, with Yosagi Ojimbo, do we get a lot of narration from the character, or is it more third person narration? Which I always find kind of weird when that kind of stuff comes into. Um, well, either way, I'm not a huge, always the biggest fan of of the narration. Like, you know, yeah. I'm just curious what they do, what Sakai does here. I mean, he, he he writes it just like anyone else would sort of write a standard comic. I mean, there is some narration that happens, mm -hmm. and whether it's from Usagi or whether it's from you know another character, um, but you know, kind of like Samurai Jack, there will be it, it, it's all dependent upon the story that he tells, you know, because Stan Sakai will write these arcs that are sometimes just one issue, sometimes they're two, three, four issues long, uh, you know, where the story is always the same in which he is just a wandering ronin. He's a masterless samurai, and he's just wandering the countryside, and then things happen along the way. He encounters this, he encounters that, and that may lead to a one-story arc, that may lead to a four-story arc. 
And so depending on like, so a lot of times with these shorter arcs where whether it's just one book or maybe it's just two, there might be a little bit more narration. There might be a little, you know, less dialogue just because you're just sort of getting this nice visual story. Um, but then other times it's more like your traditional comic book where you get, you know, Usagi interacting with, you know, either his friends, uh, his allies or, you know, his teachers or, you know, obviously uh, whatever antagonists uh, that might be around. So I wouldn't say it's too heavy one way or the other, you know, but you, but you do get some of that, but it's not quite to the level, you know, where Samurai Jack, where he's just gotcha. dead, dead silent. It just sort of all depends on, you know, the, the story at hand. Gotcha. But, okay. I just, I, it's not that I don't like narration, whether it's, you know, first person or, or not. It's just sometimes there's too much of it, especially with the older yeah. books, you can just get really, bogged down in it spawn actually has that happen sometimes where mcfarlane will, will just go on and on and on with it and say okay like it, especially when the narration's like telling me what i'm already seeing myself and it's like what, what are we right. doing but and anyways. you might and you might come across a story like that where it's like you know what's what's the point like you know there was a story and like i said it's a change of pace so it's vastly different so there was a story about you know in, in japanese culture they would make flags how they would or they would make banners for special events and and it would just be pages of this old man you know going out you know to you know to to the you know the rice patties to grab you know the materials that he would need to to make you know the paper and stuff like that and and then you know at the end there would be something that you know be like why am i reading this why do i want to know about this oh then just sort of learn it was a very cultural thing hmm. and then in the la either the last few pa panels or in the next book stan sakai would find a way to 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 like that Not would somehow be incorporated into some other story and it, it kind of makes sense so mm -hmm. it's it's, you, you probably make fun of me and call me Elaine, but a lot of times there's a lot of beautiful stories that are just written here that are about Japanese culture, you know, historical stuff, whatever, folklore. And it's just, I, I don't know. I, I eat it up. I, I love. Do I you love feel lame? Because I'm not calling you lame because you're, well, you're calling yourself lame. I'm just saying, you know, I used the word beautiful. I thought you were going to jump on me for, for saying. Oh, stop it. You use beautiful all the time. I understand you deep down in your heart. I am. I'm a big softie. But yes. uh, so, so so you get a lot of that with Stan Sakai. But to understand, you know, Usagi, you know, he's he's a very loyal character. And, and so, you know, you, you learn about, you know, his you know, his arrogance as a child and how he grows and becomes his very – um, you know, powerful, very skilled, very smart, you know, warrior. And in a, in, in, in a blink of an eye, there's this battle that they always reference. It's, it's, it's the, the, I, I'm going to butcher, you know, the, the um, uh, Gari plane, you know, where Lord Mifune is di he dies, you know. And this is always, you know, referenced, whether it be in story, uh, flashbacks or whatever, but it becomes a big part of who this character is because since his Lord has died, he failed, and so he has dedicated his life to being, you know, he won't be a coward and go, you know, work for some other lord. He's just going to wander the countryside as, as his masterless ronin. And so it's tales of him as, you know, helping his buddies in, in various bounties, encountering, you know, supernatural creatures, you know, getting involved in, you know, trying to stop, you know, conspiracy theories of, you know, lords and shoguns trying to over. So there's there's a lot of really good stuff here. I mean, it's thirty years, you know, worth of lot. material storytelling. Yeah, and so that's that's one of the great things because Sakai is just such he's such a great storyteller. 
Um, you know, we get the historical stuff, we get the change of space stuff. And the, the other thing that I like about it too, is that while there's a lot of action, I mean, you, you, characters die. I mean, there's sword fighting, but you know, it's not overtly violent. You know, you know, when a character dies because Stan Sakai just draws a little skull and crossbones in the thought <laughs> bubble of the character that's dying, which I think is really one. It's, it's a, just a neat little thing, but it's great because like, not kid kids like i wouldn't give this to like an eight-year-old but like you wouldn't think twice about giving it to a 10-year-old a 12-year-old or whatever like oh you know there's some good stories in here and it's not you know overtly violent you know uh, you know there's aggressive things that happen Mm -hmm. and there at times could be some aggressive imagery uh especially when you're dealing with some of the more supernatural characters uh but it's just it's it's stuff like that where you you get great action and it's not you know um you know, overtly, you know, violent and and, and disgusting, and uh, especially with it being in black and white, that doesn't lend itself to that kind of stuff, anyways. Right. Well, um, I would. I'd have a heart. Well, actually, I wouldn't. It wouldn't be the worst idea to create a, a viciously violent samurai warrior. Uh, you know, I'm sure some image could do something along those lines. Maybe you don't yeah. do it with a. Maybe you don't do it with a rabbit. Uh, right. But I mean, it would be kind of funny if you did it. I think yeah. with a rabbit or maybe a squirrel or some woodland creature, I right. think that would be hilarious. But I'm curious, Doc. You, know, you talked about a couple times how there's just so much. Obviously, it's been around since the uh, late '80s. Can the, a random part like if, if it, for me, if I'm gonna go back and and try and get into Usagi Ujimbo, obviously there's the the omnibuses that you can go pick up too, or I'm gonna buy. I don't know how yeah. whatever that is, but would I? Am I better going? Uh, better serve going to there, or should I go and pick up this Wanderer Road stuff? That's like the the old stuff that's getting put on color, or even the ongoing series. Can I, can I just hop in on the ongoing series if I wanted to? So a couple of things. Yes, to answer your question across the board. I would say yes, because I mean, I started with the current run, the first issue, and that was my first taste of Usagi. So, you know, what Stan Sakai will always, you know, um, reference things, right? We're not to a point where it's like, okay, yeah, yeah, we get it, but he talks about these things enough throughout his stories that you finally put all the pieces together, mm-hmm. and there'll be flashbacks to some of these, you know, these events uh, that happen. So, like, I read the first issue of this current run, and I loved it so much. I, Like I said, I went back, grabbed some of the omnibuses, and then through that I was able to, you know, because there's a lot of characters. That's the other thing. You know, some of these characters are really great. There's a lot of characters throughout the history of Usagi Yojimbo. So who is this person? Who is that person? And he, and he gives you great flashbacks, um, you know, throughout. Um, maybe not so much in this current run. Um, but if you go back and if you were to just grab the first omnibus or, you know, uh, you know, some of the um, early graphic novels, um, you'll you'll get all of that. And what's great about the omnibus is actually if, if you do get your hands on one through the library or whatever, the first couple pages, like before you actually dig into the comic, he's got all the characters out and a brief little biography on them. So nice. you kind of have a reference point when you enter when you encounter them. You can kind of go back, or you can look at them ahead of time, so you won't be as so. Um, anyone, I think, could just grab you know one of these, pick it up, and start reading. Another point I wanted to make, and this was just announced a, a week ago, is that San Sakai is taking. He's going back to Usagi Ojimbo number one, uh, and he's colorizing them. He's calling it Usagi Ojimbo or Usagi Origins, I believe. Oh, I thought it was a Wanderer's Road was. My mistake. Okay. Well, so Wanderer's Road is just a collection of older stories. They're just kind of cherry-picked. Gotcha. Right? It's not right from the beginning. 
Um, same thing with, uh, you know, Usagi Ojimbo Color Classics. That might be another great place to start, the Color Classics, uh, which, you know, it was only seven issues, and that came out about a year ago. Uh, that's going to give you some great background. But he's he announced that he's uh, doing some new graphic uh, uh, um, uh, graphic novels in color, but he's starting with uh, number one, calling it Usagi Origins, and is colorizing them. And, uh, and that, that's going to be a great introduction, I think, for a lot of people. Um, so I would just say, like, if you're if you've never heard of Usagi Ojimbo, if if you know it sounds interesting, you know, you can go back and get some of the trades, you know, from this current run and and do that. But I might suggest, you know, grab an omnibus, you know, grab like you know omnibus number one, and, and even though it's like, you know, it looks daunting, just you know you know, give it a go or maybe, you know, look for the color classics. And, you know, I believe that might be in a graphic novel form now as well and, and start with that. But it's just, it's just great, you know, because you get all these little micro stories throughout it all and it all just weaves together and you, and you get a lot of that backstory throughout, you know, the storytelling. So I can't talk about, you know, uh, it enough, the characters real quick, You've got Jen, which is uh, a buddy of his, but he's a real pain in the ass. Uh, really busting Usagi's balls. He's a bounty hunter, so you see Usagi and a lot of bounty hunting, bounty hunting, uh, you know, uh, tales, which is great. Um, his nemesis from when he was a kid, Kanuchi, um, who married Usagi's uh, love interest from when he was a kid. So there's a lot of things, a lot of dynamics that are at play here. A lot of really great antagonists. Uh, so. Like I said, Nick, this is just something that I would recommend to anybody and everybody. I, I, I fucking love, you know, everything about Usagi or Jimbo. I'm glad you finally got to talk about your guy because yeah. I know you've been, you know, trying to find a way to what, yeah. when does it make sense to do it? And, right. uh, and I, it's, it's, and I know you said like change of pace too. That's, you know, we, there's plenty of dense stuff like in comics yeah. now, like talking about serious things or then there's epic things too, which maybe, you know, I, when I think epic, I think more death metal when I think of serious things. I think of you know, Truth, White, and Black, which is the uh, origin story for Isaiah Bradley, which is the one I'm talking about today. So it's interesting the juxtaposition that we got going on because yours is much more lighthearted than, than yeah. what I'm necessarily dealing with. So, um, just so this series came out in 2003. This is a seven, or it started in 2003. This is a seven issue series. Um, it's written by Robert Morales. The artist is Kyle J. Baker. He also did the colors on this. And then Wes Abbott was the letterer for this story. And it's funny, um, certain someone that we've talked about in the past before was involved in it was um, in, in this was the editor at Marvel at this time. We, when Colin Bunn, we had him on, we talked about him because he's running things over with AWA. And then when we had, um, who was it? We had Rodney Barnes on too. That was, that was a little surprise. He brought up um, Axel Alonso too. I just, I did not expect that at all. And, uh, and now we hear again, he's, he was the one that came up with this idea after, you know, certain conversations at Marvel and they didn't expect that they were going to, um, you know, they people were going to push back on this story or whatever. So I was, I was kind of like, this guy's just everywhere. He's everywhere. Like anything that's interesting or, um, you know, pushing boundaries a little bit. It seems like Axel Alonso is somehow involved at some point, especially when it comes to Marvel, because he was there yeah. for so long. Um, now, I found the synopsis for this too, just to give people a little understanding. Again, seven-issue series. Uh, during World War II, while the U.S. military was attempting to develop a serum that would create the world's perfect fighter, one young African-American soldier, Truth, 
survived the experiments, which I don't know why it says truth, but survived the experiments that were meant for Steve Rogers, aka Captain America. So that's on, I don't know where the truth part came from. This is, you know, that was a total Ron Burgundy moment, but that's Isaiah Bradley. Okay. And what I, it's funny, like this is known as his um, origin story. I know Wes brought it up on Cap's booze and that I, I honestly, after we saw Isaiah Bradley pop up on Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I was like, I need to read more on Isaiah Bradley. And guess what? After reading Truth, Red, White, and Black, I still need more Isaiah Bradley because this is just the origin. This just gives us an idea. And even then, Doc, I'm reading it. It's like, yeah, Isaiah Bradley is a you know main, a focal point here. And it's funny. I felt like we get uh, a guy who's very similar to Steve Rogers too, who is just like this good, happy-go-lucky dude. Yeah. Now, with Steve Rogers, it felt like he kind of had a death wish in some ways. With Isaiah Bradley, it's like I'm gonna go and you know help fight and you know, for, enlist for my country, blah, blah blah, all this stuff. You know, because with him, it was just so how he got joined into the military or, or enlisted in the military it was just like a quick thing. They didn't make it all like a it wasn't a struggle. He had a, a kid on the way. You know, there's three other characters we kind of saw a little bit more of. We have um, Maurice Canfield, and then we have Sergeant Luke Evans. And they're part of this whole um, – it's it's, I guess it's a platoon. Yeah, I guess it's part of the same platoon. I don't know how it all works in the military. Neither of you and I were in it. But uh, Canfield was a communist protesting the war, and he was given the choice to either go to jail or join the military. Sergeant Luke Evans had been in the military, and I don't want to – like in the first issue, you kind of get a – like you get what's going on with Evans because he was in the military before and then something's about to happen in his life. And then the war, like the world war two, like America gets bombed at Pearl Harbor. And then he's like, all right, now he's got like kind of a purpose again, I guess is the better way to put it. Um, but these are all black Americans in the world war two era who then they are among the hundreds of soldiers that are tested on with the super soldier serum that of course we see Steve Rogers get. And, as I read this and, you know, we see him pop up, Isaiah Bradley pop up in Falcon and the Winter Soldier and doing research and everything, Doc. I'm like trying to figure out exactly the timeline on who had the super soldier serum first because Steve Rogers gets it in 41. And, you know, the first, his, the first Captain America comic came out in March of 41. And then with this, we see the guys getting it in 42. But then Isaiah Bradley talks about getting it a year ago. And so that was all – it was a little, I was a little confused by the timeline and all of that, but from, and then there's a portion of where he talks, um, and this is like an issue four, I believe, where Isaiah Bradley says the comic book, because it's a Captain America comic book, you know, and, and when we've seen the movie, right, there's all this propaganda that they use Steve Rogers for. He's not actually fighting until Bucky goes missing. Um, this is Isaiah's uh, quote in the, in the book. The, the comic book came out more than a year ago. But it pretty much got our whole story in it. And, um, you know, they're talking about Steve Rogers and then Erksine was, um, was his um, – was the scientist in the course of all this too. So I'm not exactly clear on who's getting it first, Steve Rogers or these guys. But either way, it's one Steve Rogers and then 300 guys who yeah. are getting it. So I would imagine it's the 300 guys that got it first. Yes. And they're getting all – like, and, and it, guess what? Shocker. It's not working out for all of them. A lot of shit happens to, to, to them. So Isaiah Bradley is the one who's like, yes, he's the one that we now know in all of it. But he's really – 
it doesn't it's not too too focused on him until i would say midway through the story he's more just part of this greater story that's a commentary on how black americans were treated at that point and what happened to him over the years too like there's the uh, tuskegee experiments i saw that as i was doing you know research outside of this episode or outside of the book excuse me and i was like what are the tuskegee experiments did you ever learn about those in high school tuskegee experiments no, and I should know more. I, I, have a, well, a, I didn't know a either, Doc. I didn't yeah. know what they were either. So like, that's why I'm curious because it's just – it's amazing to me how over the years – I felt like I learned about the American Revolution 15 times in, in, high, in between middle school and high school. World War II I didn't learn about until much later and then you know, Kennedy and all that stuff. But I felt like I learned about that a million times over. But then the Tuskegee experiments, I know nothing about. The Oklahoma, right, the, the massacre in um, – oh, my God, what in Tulsa, right? Yeah. Never learned about that. I had to watch. I had to learn that from Watchmen. Tuskegee experiment. I learned about from this Red Summer of 1919. Another thing. Didn't know anything about that. Learned about it from this book too. So if you want a history lesson, you know, if you if you want your kids to learn about history, have them read this because you're gonna learn a couple things that you didn't learn in high school or middle school or even. I didn't take a ton of U.S. history courses in college. I did mostly um, European history actually. So I'll give my my university a little bit of a break. But still, these are things that happen in our country, and they're like. Know, black eyes for sure, but you guess what? It, you, it's just funny. I, I to me, I think that's one of the problems that we run into with as a nation, where you just you just ignore certain things that happen. Yeah, there are low points, but it feels like we're being like the more the older I get, Doc, and the more things happen in our country, and, and pe other people get voices that didn't have them before. The more I feel like the stuff we learned in high school or in middle school, it's like they're teaching us propaganda at a young age, and it's just like what. The and some yeah. of the stuff I'm seeing with World War happening to these guys in World War II. Again, I know it's fictional, but there's you know some truth based in it. It's not just or, um, a, a, you know actions that happened in the past inspired what's going on in this book. I'm watching it and reading it, and I'm like, wait a second. I feel like we're dealing with like civil war shit. What's going on? Why is this happening during World War II? We're also be on the same friggin' side. And then yeah. what's happening with Rogers in this too? Because he gets brought in later on because he's. He's like learning about Isaiah. He, as what happened in the, as was the case with um, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Steve didn't know about Isaiah Bradley throughout the course of his life. Now, in the book, he finds out about it. In the show, he doesn't, at least Cap, the old man Cap, as far as we know, doesn't know about him. Bucky said he didn't know about him. So we, we can assume that that's, that's still the case. But in here, he finds out about him and he finds out about how unjustly this guy was treated and he was an American hero. And I mean, unjustly is putting it lightly, which what happened to this guy. But I will say, as, as awful as it is what's happened unjustly to him uh, or unfairly happened to him, whatever, you get my point. We can go and get more Isaiah Bradley stories, I think. I think there's still a lot more room to, to go back and look at this character. And doesn't this is one of those stories where you, you mentioned, Doc, how we, you know, we run into issues with the events and it's so much and it becomes so daunting. You can write an Isaiah Bradley story and I think anybody can read it and you'd be fine. You just got to know like the, the general background of the character. You don't need to tie him into other stuff because he, he takes his, all his shit happens in a very different time period. It would be a flashback to a different time, but I think it would be very interesting. Um, it's just, and this is just, this just scratches the surface, but it gives you an idea. If you want to know more about Isaiah Bradley, where he came from, what happened to him um you know after you saw him in the falcon and the winter soldier i think it's a great it's a great spot to go and there's other stuff out there for sure but i want stuff now you yeah i was gonna say during sorry during you know 
Have you? Is there other Isaiah Bradley stories out there? Is this the only one that we know of? Is is this is where the, it can't be the only one? Because I've seen other stuff. I've seen other artwork from from you know, pros in the business, and I I didn't go digging for it, Doc, because. Yeah. Once I wanted to find, I wanted to find a story, and then when I heard West bring up his origin story, it was like, oh, this West just did a lot of my work for me. This is great. <laughs> so uh, this is this is where we got to start, and then yeah. from there, I'll, I'll look back. I'll, I'll definitely be looking for more, but I would just love it if Marvel gave us some new stuff, you know, over you, the next years, a couple of years or so. Do you think that Fa the Falcon and the Winter Soldier will explore Isaiah Bradley more than just what we got, or do you think that what we got in Episode Two is it? And then you know the show is going to continue, you know, just just going on. You know, I think it's a fair question. And gun to my head, I say they're not going to focus too much on him. I, I think, it, and I don't think that's necessarily the worst thing in the world. I think it's more what his role was in all this. To me, is telling Sam like this stuff can people are just going to keep pushing you around if you don't like. It, it's not going to be easy and it's not going to be fun. But Steve believed in you and you deserve to have the mantle that that he tried to bestow upon you. Yeah. And they're not going to hand it to you for reasons that are total friggin' bullshit. And it's, you're going to have to prove Steve right to do the right thing because it's not just the right thing because what Steve said is the right thing is because the country, I think, needs that. And, and, other, and there is a certain group of people, uh, you know, certain race that needs somebody like Captain, Captain Falcon, Jesus, <laughs> that needs Falcon because yeah. he's, he's a beacon of hope for them where they need they, – they, they could use somebody like that, especially at this time. No, I so completely I know zero about – sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off again. I know zero about this character. Now, Wes was saying something about his grandson being yeah, – uh, Elijah uh, Bradley turns into Patriot, so we may see more of him. I don't think yeah. from the, an MCU standpoint – he could pop up – Isaiah Bradley could pop up again. But a comic standpoint, I think, would be great. That'd be cool. Like, I, I'd like to see um, Patriot for sure, but Isaiah Bradley to me is just – Part of why I want to see him is because he's an adult and, I, and Elijah Bradley's a kid. I mean, if, if I don't know where he's at in the comics right now, so maybe I should do some research on that. But if he's an adult, then I would be I'd be open to that for sure. And maybe you should have Elijah Bradley no matter what as a kid because it's another audience that you're going to be reaching to. But I'd like to see Isaiah Bradley because I feel like you can get a little bit grittier with him because – he, like I said, he starts off as this like happy-go-lucky guy, and I never feel like he gets like too much of an edge. Like I, I don't think he goes that far. But when he starts to see Steve Rogers getting all this credit and he's beloved, and at that point, it's not like he's out there fighting with everybody. At least he doesn't seem like it. Yeah. Um, he's not. He he like they're out there doing this grunt work, and they're getting treated like crap yeah. for no for no good reason, and they're doing a good job at what they do. So I think. Uh, I, and then, and look, I, I can't spoil the ending, but what happens to him at the end or at a certain point in his life, however you want to look at it, he, it would just, it lends itself to being able to do something different with him that I'm, I don't want to, like, I don't want to get into, like, without, because I feel yeah. like it would, like, be up against spoiling things a little. Sounds absolutely fantastic, to be honest with you. And just, so I can't wait, because I, because I bought these on Comixology so you could read them. So now mm -hmm. I've got them there. So I can't wait to, you know, uh, I, I definitely think I will go back and, uh, and read these. Because, I mean, I would hope that they wouldn't just introduce that character just for five minutes of screen time and then move on. I would, I would love if we see him maybe again before the series is out being that catalyst to what helps uh, get um, um, Sam. Uh, Sam, sorry, the, the shield back. 
Mm-hmm. You know, maybe there's another moment where they talk. And, yeah, that makes you sense. know, there's that that I think that would be awesome. Like, because Sam's gonna have to get that shield back somehow. You know, can does Sam go back talk with Isaiah? Have a, have a heart to heart without Bucky there because Bucky obviously uh, doesn't help things. His presence, you know, being there a little bit, right? Just but maybe those bit. two can have a real solid moment, and and maybe that is the spark that allows Sam to feel worthy of carrying that shield. I, mm-hmm. I think if they were, if they did something like that, that'd be pretty awesome. Yeah. This has a, he, the character for, from a comic perspective, I think we just, we should get more. I think yeah. he deserves more. Uh, you know, this whole, the origin story to me is great. It shows like it's, it's a social commentary on the times. And, and I think it can, I mean, for me, look, my eyes are already pretty open enough, but you can always learn more and there's yes. just, and there's stuff that just happened. That's happened back then. Or I'm getting like little history lessons from a comic book. And it's yeah. like, you know, like Lawrence says to me sometimes, she swears it's like real life. She just learned. She never learned anything in school. Sometimes I read comics sometimes. I'm like, I didn't learn shit in school. How the, <laughs> how the fuck did they not talk about either of these two things that are talked about in this book? It's ridiculous. So, and I don't know who who to blame for that necessarily, but I'm sure there's a lot of people to blame for that. But um, you get a little history lesson in it, and you know one other thing, one last thing, like Steve Rogers, the way he is in this, like he's not, he's not a like a a bad person in the course of this at all. Like him getting propped up because of whatever. It's like the same thing with like John Walker, right? Where he gets. I was propped just up and- about to say, very, sounds very similar. Right. But it's, I think there's with Steve, there's a little bit more ignorance on his end. Whereas with John Walker, like he knows full well who Falcon is. Steve had no yeah. clue who Isaiah Bradley sure. was until after he was unfrozen. So it, yeah. it's, it's a very different circumstance. But still, when Steve's getting handed the news, yeah, he, he, like he gets a little frustrated, but I was just surprised. Like I thought I would have seen a little more emotion out of him. But also, he goes like in at the same time, like Steve also was one to, Move like here, find out this information and then get everything done the right way so that the people right. who deserve their come up and they get it. And that's yeah. what Steve always does. But I was just like, I'm still surprised by a little bit by his reaction a little bit. I just would have felt like it's to me, I'm, and maybe it's just because me, and I can be a little over dramatic sometimes. I, I hear this stuff, I'm like, what? The? I'd be outraged when I hear this kind of stuff, and I'd feel guilty, terrible if I'm Steve in his position because, like, I, you know, sure, I was a good guy and you know, helped and all this stuff, but. Clearly, I wasn't the only one, and apparently, I wasn't even the freaking first. Yeah. So I, I would feel like you know, like serious, like imposter syndrome, and feel really guilty about all yeah. of it. But it's Steve in the end did the important stuff and made sure that people who deserve to get their shit handed to him did. Good. So good, 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 good. I, I guess that's what matters in the end. But anyways, uh, last thing before we uh, get going because this is uh, we've been talking about this for a while. We, you and I have really enjoyed this mini series, The Witcher, Fading Memories. Finally came to a conclusion. Well, not finally. I wasn't like dying for this thing to come to an end. But every week that this came out or we knew it was coming out, you and I were ready to go on it. And the fourth issue dropped this week. We both made sure to read it, getting uh, getting ready for the show. And, Doc, I'm curious, you know, end of the series, how would you feel about it? I loved it. It was it was a great little – and and spoilers here. um, It was a great little uh, just short story. You know, if you're a fan of The Witcher, even if your only, you know, um, experience with The Witcher is the Netflix show, uh, just just knowing the character and, and what he's about this was just a this was a great little um short story that got a little meta at yeah. the end, you know so, so we i i like this i wouldn't say that i 
I wouldn't say I loved it. I liked it a lot, and it was definitely enough to keep me going the whole way through. The first issue was a jaw dropper. Yeah. Because again, spoilers. Okay, for those who've read it, if you haven't read it, Doc and I really liked it. It's you know we I still recommend it even because it's a mini series. Um, but you know the first issue. The, the, the person who's narrating, I didn't know if it was Geralt or not, find out it's not, find out it's a suicide note, and he finds this guy dead at the end of the issue. And it's like, what the fuck? Yeah. So like, we get that, and I just thought it was going to be, you know, it's a miniseries, maybe like an anthology type thing, but yeah. no, there's a story to it all. And I thought issues two and three were were fine. I mean, the payoff for those at the end in issue four was good. But yeah. what really got me was the end of issue four when we see the same guy, again, spoilers, who's <laughs> – who killed himself in the first issue is coming back and we yeah. don't know what his deal is entirely. Yeah. Cause that, that was the whole, you know, so the, you know, no, he's Geralt's a witcher. So it's his job to get paid, to get rid of bad things. And, and so it, but it, it this story was also a, a tale of, you know, you know, losing who you are, like trying to either refine your way or, you don't have a purpose. So what do you do now? Mm-hmm. And the thing with the fisherman was, you know, it's like, if I'm not fishing, I I don't know who I am. And he had wanted Geralt to go fishing with them. But before he woke up in the morning to go do so, Geralt left town to go take a job because ultimately he's a killer of monsters, not mm-hmm. a fisherman. And so he goes to this town and there's some weird shit going on and, and, and everything. I mean, basically what you have is, is this, this, this story was just one giant illusion. It seemed like, and it you got a little confused on, you know, or not confused, but like trying to figure out what exactly was real, what exactly wasn't real. And it, it was the purpose of all of this just to help Geralt find his way again, for refine his purpose or understand that he's more than just, you know, you know, a witcher and, mm-hmm. and and the story of him being in the town trying to get rid of those foglets and, and discovering, you know, that it was the the town's mage uh that was that was doing it all was was fascinating and fun. But man, that ending was just kind of like a little yeah. little bit of a mind. Yeah, because in the course of all this, Geralt is dealing with a uh a wizard or warlock, something along yeah. those lines. He has a hat, so I guess he's a wizard, not a sorcerer. We can fact, <laughs> we can figure that out for sure. But anyways, so he, we think that we see this guy who died earlier that he's he's just an illusion because that guy is dealing that's that's his forte like he brings back this kid who had died and that's a whole another thing. Yeah. But he we think okay he's an illusionist and this is this is all that is. So but then this guy's citing his suicide note later. So either he's not just an illusionist he can get inside somebody's mind and you know played off what Geralt had in his memory or. It's not one of his illusions, but then the question is, is it a fading memory, which I know is the meta part, but then it's like, or is he, is it this like mermaid magic or some other shit? Because we saw him, his body get dumped in the ocean and clearly that made an impact on things. So it was weird. I I love weird in a good way. Weird in a good way. That's the thing about the Witcher. Like I love medieval type fantasy, uh, high fantasy shit for sure. But and like I'm always gonna be inclined to give that a shot to like when it's you know when like Lord of the Rings and adult stuff it gets too kidsy that's not necessarily for me it's just how we are but um, with The Witcher it's not afraid to get a little extra weird and I and I like that and I, and I, I that's one thing that separates it from a Lord of the Rings or other uh, high fantasy stories. Yeah, so what's great is it's just four issues. And if you're a fan of The Witcher, if you've read the books, played the video games, watched the show, this is just another 
another you know bit of Witcher stuff that you can you can read and enjoy because mm -hmm. it was because uh, you get all the st classic stuff that you get with a Witcher book. People hate Witchers, and he's got to <laughs> just fight off people that hate him all the time, and he does it, and he's a badass. And Geralt's a very stoic character, um, and it was it was just it was just a great little little fun series. I, I I love these, and I love the fact that they're like four, five, six books. Yeah, you know these tie-ins that we get uh, because they just. There's so much like the Witcher Three video game is fucking ginormous. The world, the open, you know, the open world in that game is absolutely huge, and so there's been a tremendous amount of world building that's done. So you get these quick little little stories and things like that. It yeah. just it's just really enjoyable. I love these miniseries, and again, this is this yeah. is now a character. Look, he's not been around as long as a Wolverine or or Batman right. or whatever, but he's. So I have a tough time calling him like a legacy character, but he's he's kind he's of along there. those lines. Yeah, yeah with, he's getting there, getting the just... show and the game and everything. I might yeah. get that game when I finally get my hands on a PS5. I'm not in a rush because you know yeah. I have. Uh, I'm not, I, Gotham Knights is really the reason why I'm going to you know, get that yeah. get PS5, which freaking 2022. <laughs> well, but anyways, that might be the next time you can actually get a PlayStation Five, so it, this, it might all this, work out. Yeah, that's that's a good point. But um, with with The Witcher, maybe at some point down the line, one of us will grab like the first uh, omnibus of of The yeah. Witcher and talk about him. Maybe when season two is coming around or whatever. Yeah. But one last thing with fading memories before we uh, we call it a day, Doc. I was um, the the whole. The, do you like the, the concept of like illusion that draws a smile or a truth that draws a tear, which I first heard, I think as a kid in the 1994 classic uh, miracle on 34th street, <laughs> I, I think that that comes up in the course of this shit. And I'm thinking to myself, huh, that's like, that it's pretty powerful. And, and I think now, you know, we're talking about what's going on with um, Isaiah Bradley and everything. I can't help but wonder, like, just was that what they're trying to talk about, or what is it? Just, just in general, that concept. But it's um, that's always an interesting. I think it's always an interesting thing to dwell on, or whatever. Just what are you more comfortable? Would you prefer? Do you want a truth that's like a little unsettling and could rock your world, or do you want it to just you know keep the facade up and act like everything's fine and be happy? Anytime you can sneak in Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street, I mean, I yeah. tell you, it's a good day. It's gonna be a good day. Uh, all right. Speaking of miracles, you are still doing that show with Billy D. I don't know how. <laughs> that is uh, episode three, Psy versus Psy this week. Are you guys 8.30 on Thursday as usual? 8.30 on Thursday as usual with uh, Billy D 2411. Okay. And then you got your Twitch uh, with – you doing COD? You're back on yeah. COD again, right? Yeah. No, oh, oh, man. oh back, back on COD. Always on COD. <laughs> Always on COD, baby. <laughs> I We're feel actually, like you're always playing Madden. That's what it is. Well, I, well it's, I'll tell you what. Little, little update. Um, uh, I, I, you know, I got on the Peloton one day, and I was a little, uh, you know, a little tapped afterwards, and I, and I made a real boner of a trade, and it got me kicked off the Chargers. Yeah. <laughs> and and, and uh, you know, say sent packing to the NFC. But mm. I will tell you what, Nicholas, I've turned the the Chicago Bears into a fucking powerhouse. That's. That's right, like oxymoron. There's no way or whatever. Right, we are paradox. eight and two right now, and we are we are fucking baby. We are we are we are grinding. You know, we are gonna we are marching towards a playoff spot. And uh, oh, and who's your quarterback? Uh, well, it's Cuck McCucky because I changed his name when I drafted him to um, Sir Nicholas J. Esquire. Okay, and uh, our commissioner uh, praise. Uh, said, okay. nope, that is not allowed, and changed his name to uh, Cuck McCucky. He said it's not allowed? and he, yeah. Can't you change it back? 
I could, and then he'll probably drop my quarterback down to a 12 rating, and then I he can legitimately. Wait, 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 wait. It's one thing for him to be able to change your name, the name of any players, which is bullshit in my opinion. He can change the ratings too. Yep, he can. He can do whatever he wants. Did you ever because... think to look before you play that make sure Mac's not cheating on stuff? Because I wouldn't believe. I wouldn't like rule that out. So first of all, Mac wasn't the commissioner of the league initially. It was uh, good pal Greg Story. And it was just uh, him, myself, uh, Wesley Burrow, uh, formerly and hopefully uh, rekindling the Boxers podcast, yeah, um, and a couple of other dads. And then it grew to be what it was. And then, but Greg quit, gave the commissioner powers to Wes. Wes quit for the first time, gave commissioner powers to Mac, and okay. now we've all been butt fucked as a result. But hmm. um, you know, has Mac never- ever lost the title since he took over as commissioner? Uh, Mac has, I think, in two seasons, not won a Super Bowl. One he lost oh. to Burt, and one he lost. He didn't get to the Super Bowl in one season. Uh, but uh, you know, Mac, Mac is good. Mac is good. He's very good at the game. So speaking of Burt, okay. uh, he was in the chat, letting us know. Great show, gents. For your biggest fan that has no idea what's happening. Well, guess what, <laughs> Burt? I am now pulling for your team in Madden. At, you know, second to Docs, of course. But if you're uh, right. beating Madden in Colts. the finals, then I am Go all here. For- Go Colts. Oh, well, okay. You know, it's fine. No, it's about Mac. I I dislike Mac more than the Colts is what it comes down to. So, all right, Doc. So uh, until next week, stay sexy. You know it.